Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. A great space mentally. He's learning every single day. Um, you know, he, he tested it again today and he wanted to see if he can get that throw in uh, behind uh, uh, C.J. Mosley's right ear. Couldn't do it. And he said, I'll go to the check down. And, you know, he, just, he knows. He, knows. he goes, oh, I, I saw the check down. So he knows he's, he is in such a great place. And, uh, and he loves competing. He loved that red zone uh, competition period we had going down there because it challenged him mentally and it, uh, it, it forced him to make quick reads and quick decisions because there was a clock on the uh, scoreboard and the ball had to get up and down. So he loves and he's taking in all of it. And uh, we're, we're really excited about where he's at. That is New York Jets head coach Bob Sala talking about the second overall pick in the NFL college draft this past uh, April. That, of course, was Zach Wilson. We heard news out of Jacksonville this morning that while I think everybody and their brother assumes Trevor Lawrence will be the opening day starter, Urban Meyer saying today that has not been decided at all, that it is an open competition between Gardner Minshew and Trevor Lawrence. We know that Trey Lance is going to sit for at least a year, maybe longer, uh, behind Jimmy Garoppolo in in, uh, San Francisco. And Mac Jones has been up and down in training camp, the 15th overall pick in the draft with New England. Cam Newton is still the starter there. Uh, All the rookie quarterbacks, some will start opening day, most will not. And I thought this would be a good chance to get one of my dear friends in the business and the draft expert for yahoosports.com as well well as an NFL columnist, Eric Edholm, uh, to join us on the air. Eric is a somewhat regular here at 670 The Score. And Eric, thank you so much for taking time out for us this evening. I hope you're having a good Friday night so far. I am indeed. What's going on? Well, you know, uh, if you, I know you're based here in Chicago, so you know that yeah. it's Justin Fields all the time, you know, 25 hours a day. And he is not uh, <laughs> the only rookie quarterback in the league, uh, you know, who we're anxious to see. We do know, uh, I mean, statistics are statistics. The facts don't lie. I've done this research. Over the last 11 years, 32 kids have been drafted with a top 15 pick in the NFL draft. 
and three of them have been successful playing into a second contract with the organization that drafted them. Uh, they fail at a rate of about 90% of these five. I'm not saying that all or four of them are going to fail, uh, but it would certainly be stunning if they all became or, or three or four of them became significant contributors. And so I'm curious, I know you studied all five of them closely going into the draft, but let's start here in Chicago. What's your take on where Fields is at right now and the way the Bears are handling him? Yeah, I think I think everything has been pretty pretty good to this point. I don't think Bears fans have much to complain about, and I suspect that you know that Matt Nagy and company feel pretty good about where they're at. I mean, having Dalton, you know, and playing relatively well from you know what I've seen and what I've gathered from you know from reading reports about practice and preseason and whatnot, you know, they they have a luxury, right? They they don't have to stick fields out there against Aaron Donald week one and. You know, and, and expect miracles like you would assume Jacksonville and the Jets are going to do. Uh, kind of what you're talking about in the open there, which is, you know, we assume the first and second picks in the draft are going to be starting week one. That it would be a little bit of a surprise development if that didn't happen. The Bears are in a situation where, you know, if Fields is clearly the best in two weeks, okay, they have a they have a tough call. I think everybody at this point expects Dalton early and they can bring him along at, the, at his own pace. So whether that's dictated by Dalton not playing well, whether it's by fields blowing up practice, you know, while Dalton is fine, but not great, whatever that situation is, I mean, you know, something is going to happen that forces Justin in the lineup. I just, I, I don't know whether it's week four, week eight, week 12, but it's happening at some, at some point this season, I, the way things are going, I think. Yeah, and Eric, let me let me be clear because I'm sure I wasn't at the top. I expect Trevor Lawrence to be the opening day starter right. for the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's just that yep. you know Urban Meyer is not willing to say it, you know, and so yeah. uh, that that's why you know I think fans have to understand. NFL coaches are over the top reluctant to play rookie quarterbacks and and with good reason, you know, not only because does it often lead to mistakes that, that cost you football games, even if it's valuable experience, but because with some, and I believe Mitch Trubisky is an example of this. It can do a lot of harm if you put them out there and they're not ready to play yet. And some, it takes a long time to to recover from some never recover from it. And, you know, you have, you know, when you've got a top five pick and most of these kids are, or even a top 10 or top 15 pick, you can't afford to waste those assets. And and that's why NFL coaches, I believe are so careful with these kids. Yeah. I mean, and the thing is too, I've noticed there've been, there've been examples of rookie quarterbacks who've been thrust in the lineup quickly and have played well, you know, have had some good games, but once they struggle, some don't always get it back. You know, Carson Wentz has had a million, you know, compounding factors, right? Injuries being the biggest ones, but remember the talk of him coming to Chicago, I don't know if it was week two or week three, whatever his rookie year was, 2016, I want to say, you know, and it was one of those deals where he played well, he finished off the game, made enough plays to win, and you know, people locally were lamenting, hey, why can't we get a guy like that? Well, you know, Wentz, even though he played at an MVP level the next year, has had a lot of different things happen. I'm sure it wasn't the fact that he was rushed in the lineup, but, you know, again, there's no linear path for these guys. Some some are going to, you know, ascend quicker than anybody would expect. Some are going to take just a little bit more time. And so, you know, I, I, I think for the most part, the coaches, unless they're feeling incredible heat for their jobs or pressure from the fans or the general manager who picked them, whatever it may be, you know, they're, they're going to do what they feel is best 
and it's not just a, you know, sort of a thumb in the nose at the rookie. I think it's a situation where they say he can he can run seventy percent of our offense. Great, he can't run a hundred percent of it, and that's why we're going to hold him back until he's mastered that or whatever it may be. So, yeah, it's everyone has a different kind of rate of succession or rate of uh, development, and that's the case for Fields, Lawrence, Wilson, and the rest of those guys. Eric, I know that you cover the the game, the entire league, the NFL for YahooSports.com, but you have a particular focus on the draft during the season and leading up to the draft. And uh, to me, there was absolutely no doubt that Justin Fields and Trey Lance were the second and third best prospects in the draft. I I thought Fields was clearly the second best college quarterback after Trevor Lawrence. I, I thought that Lance, there was enough curiosity as a traits guy uh, that I could understand, you know, why a team would take a flyer on him and, and the price that the 49ers paid, if you think about it, was pretty exceptional. Um, sure. And yet we see the Jets taking, you know, Zach Wilson at number two. I don't for the life of me understand, you know, what they saw or what they were thinking. I've got a couple textures here telling me that they really believe that everybody should know that Mac Jones should have been number two. Where did you have, how did you have these kids stacked on your board? And why do you think Fields fell, fell to the fourth quarterback and the 11th pick in the draft? Yeah, I had very close grades on Lance and Fields. I had Fields number two among them, Lawrence one, Fields two. But uh, I was kind of splitting hairs on my grade with, with uh, Fields and Lance. So they were, they were very close. If you want to say they're tied for second, that's fine with me. But they were, they were pretty, pretty darn even. I mean, again, some overlapping skills, some you know different level of experience and all that. I think Lance may have a slightly higher ceiling if, if he develops correctly, but I'm a big Justin Fields fan and was pretty much throughout the process. Even when we saw him struggle, you, you know, you there were things that I understood about why he struggled that I felt comfortable with and I didn't see his big drawbacks. And then I had um, Wilson fourth and – a little bit farther down than the, the first three, but not a huge jump. And then it was, I think I want to say, had Mac Jones 24th or 5th overall, and he was my 5th quarterback. And, you know, with Mac, I mean, you know, if you told me today he could go win a Super Bowl one day, it wouldn't shock me. You know, we've seen lesser talented quarterbacks that, you know, have, have been in great situations. They take care of the ball. They make the smart reads. Are they special talents? Maybe not, right? And go on and have great team success if they're in the right situation. So I just feel like Mac is going to do a lot of very good things to good things in this league. I don't know that he's ever going to be truly transcendent or special, you know, assuming he's going to have that Brady like intellect or, or moxie or toughness. I mean, that that's, that's a tall order. And just cause he went to new England, I'm not going to make that, that comparison. So yeah, I was, I was very high on the top three with Wilson though. You know, he was so up and down in his career had some unbelievable moments as a freshman, you know, inconsistent, but, but tantalizing. Second year, injuries really kind of took a hold. He wasn't the same player we saw last year when he faced a bunch of bad defenses but looked pretty much amazing doing it. So it really was a Rorschach test for me, Hub, just trying to decide <laughs> how much talent do we have here and how much of it is the fact that, you know, we're, we're, we're not exactly facing a murderer's row of defenses. Let's get to the Bears' second and third picks, their second and fifth round draft choices. Uh, Tevin Jenkins, you know, Eric, I, I, we knew that that he, I can't remember, was it Texas, Texas Tech? He, he missed one of those games 
and then the following week, uh, Gundy decided not to rush him back, and then he announced he was opting out the rest of the season to prepare for the draft. Yeah. My understanding, though, is that he did immediately get with a private trainer, get in the weight room, and begin to work. He came to Chicago, was a full participant uh, in, in rookie minicamp, in the OTAs, and the veteran minicamp, and it wasn't until he came back for the start of training camp that they said that that back was bothering him. So as you were evaluating and scouting him, how much were you hearing, if anything at all, uh, about the back? And did you have any reason to believe that that could have an impact on his draft status? Yeah, he had the hip injury in college, so that was the one that I think everybody kind of knew about. And, and the, the concerns about the back didn't really – well, this year was so different, Hub, as you know, obviously mm-hmm. with, with the combine being canceled, combine being – you know, if you were to ask NFL scouts, the main thing they get out of there is the injury information. The second most important might be the the interview process. The third most important might be the workouts and all that. So we didn't have that this year. Medical information was hard to come by, not just from a you know sourcing standpoint, not just a media perspective, but also from you know the from the doctors to the teams and getting everybody on the same page. That's why I think. Fields landed in Chicago. That's also why I think Tevin Jenkins landed in Chicago because, you know, with Fields, there was the question about the epilepsy. I don't think it was a big deal for every team, but some teams clearly had a little bit of, you know, concern over it. And they didn't know to what degree it was going to be a, an issue medication, would he wear out of it, whatever. But with Jenkins, you know, that's obviously a little bit of a different deal. I mean, they. You hear back injury or back problems, and, and you get very concerned with any position, but certainly offensive line. And, you know, we've seen some really talented players. You know, one, I try to remember his name, the player who had stenosis, and, you know, the other guy who had uh, the bulging discs. I mean, they, you know, you can have any number of things that really cause problems back there. I know you've had, you know, neck and back surgery or whatever before, and it's not fun for anybody. And it's a potentially career ending injury, depending on the severity. So, that spooked some teams off that I think may have had him in that late first round range had things been clean on him. So it was out there. Uh, I don't think every team red flagged him. I think some teams were just spooked by the lack of a crystal clear 100% picture of, of what was going on. Eric, I, I watched the last four games of his of his career at Missouri uh, focused on Larry Borum because I knew the Bears were going to be active at tackle and didn't know what was going to happen, uh, you know, on, on day one, maybe even day two. And I came away really impressed thinking, boy, there is a pure right tackle, a huge mauler, all power, buries people, not much of an athlete, you know, certainly has to play on the right side, but this kid could be a starting tackle in the NFL and was very pleased when the Bears drafted him in the fifth round. Then I go out to the first day of rookie minicamp and I didn't recognize the kid from the player I saw on tape with the changes that he had made to his body. And I'm watching him those first few days and the way he's moving his feet and I'm thinking to myself, is, is this kid more of a, a better left tackle prospect than, than Jenkins? <laughs> now, I don't know that to be true. I don't know. I don't think the Bears knew that. I don't think they realized until he showed up. But talking to Juan Castillo and Matt Nagy now, he is he is competing at left tackle. You know, And, and yeah. I don't think it would be too much of a stretch to say that it's possible uh, opening day of 2022 
it could end up that Borum's your left tackle and, and, and Jenkins is your right tackle. And so I'm curious about what your, your thoughts and your reports were on Borum before he got here. Yeah, what, what a story that would be. I mean, as you pointed out, Larry Borum was a very big dude at Mizzou. And I think that was by design at one point. You know, the former staff um, had to move him around a little bit because he, he played, I think, I think he started games with either three or four positions. I'm not sure. I, I believe it was both tackles and also one guard spot. And I actually thought he'd be a, a right guard in the league. I thought that would be, you know, for the same reasons you just mentioned, tackle possible. And I talked to a former member of the staff who was on uh, Barry Odom's staff that got let go. And, you know, the, first of all, they, were, they loved the kid. They thought, you know, he, he did everything they asked, no matter where they lined him up. They asked him to put on weight and get bigger. He did. He got a little too big, obviously, and it showed in his workout times. But to your point, when he lost weight, there was an athlete in there. There was somebody capable of playing on the edge and potentially the quarterback's blindside protector. So, if that were to happen, I mean, there were there were games out there where he played like a second or third rounder, no doubt about it. But the, the conditioning was an issue. Um, the question of what his best position was, because they hadn't really seen him at, you know, that 320, 325 range. That would be, I think, perfect for him or whatever. He just didn't get enough looks at him at that weight in college at his best position necessarily. So, it was a little complicated evaluation-wise, and that's why I think he slipped to – I thought he'd be a fourth-round pick. It's kind of where I pegged him heading into the draft, if I had to guess. So not a huge drop, but a little bit, especially for a position that everyone in the league is needing. So that was, I thought, would push him up, what would have pushed him up. So, I mean, crazier things that happened. Look, it's nice that both Borum and Jenkins, assuming Jenkins can, can get healthy, both played right and left tackle in college. And, I mean, that – that kind of versatility for, for those two guys, you mix and match, find the best combination, who lines up where, you could have a really special group in 2022. Eric Edholm is joining us on the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline. Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Eric, of course, a long time uh, together with me at Pro Football Weekly, recently has been at yahoosports.com as their draft and NFL expert. Eric, I know it's a Friday night. I really appreciate your time. I'll let you go in a minute. I've got just two more things for you I'd like to address quickly if we can. Uh, Khalil Herbert and Daz Newsome. Now, this is a a fifth and a sixth rounder. I guess it's two six-round picks. Um, And Herbert has been a story at training camp. They are are quickly falling in love with him. Uh, Tell uh, Bears fans, if you will, what you think of these two kids. Yeah, and pardon my schadenfreude here, Hub, but, you know, the idea of, of Kansas losing a really good football player to Virginia Tech, I'm, you know, that my rival school <laughs> suffering a loss is never a bad thing. But, well, he was actually buried there, too, behind a kid named Puka Williams who had some character stuff. But he leaves Kansas kind of, you know, buried in this, this bad team without a good line. And, you know, they fall behind. It's hard to get the running back the ball. So he moved on to Virginia Tech and had a fantastic year last year. In fact, I – I know a guy on staff there who I was texting preseason asking about Christian Darisaw, who went in the first round offensive tackle, was linked to the Bears. You know, it's one of those guys you saw in a lot of Bears mock drafts and was asking him last August about, about Darisaw. And he said, get ready for, I think Herbert was 21 in college, if I recall. He said, get ready for 21. And I said, what? And I didn't know what he was talking about. He sent me a couple of video clips from practice and, just watching the shiftiness, but also the, the, I don't say power, but the sneaky sort of 
thump behind his pads once he gets to the point of impact. Like he he runs downhill, but he's a quick, you know, glider scat back type. I mean, he's got. I thought he was really one of the more underrated backs in the in the entire class. I thought the Bears got a very good value where they got him. Was it fifth, sixth round or whatever? That was spectacular. And Newsom fell farther than I thought. You know, he didn't have that extra gear that his teammate Diami Brown did, but you know, he, he was highly productive, very smooth, very consistent. I guess the fear is he sort of falls into that same category of like Javon Wims and Riley Ridley, the other guys they've taken that I'll be honest, I like I kinda liked both in college, made in love, but liked them as value picks for where the Bears got them. Neither of them have turned out yet. So the question is, you know, does he have that special trait? Does he have that one thing, that, that superpower, if you will? Scouts always talk, what, what's his superpower? With Daz Newsom, I mean, he's a competitive football player. He's got good size, but not great. Good, you know, decent speed, but not great. Everything's solid to, to above average. I don't know that he's special in any one way, but... That could be your number three at some point, number four now maybe. Or you know, I I thought it was it was worth taking the shot at him at that spot. Last question, Eric, and I'll let you go. I appreciate you sticking around a little longer for me tonight. But sure, I can't remember a GM in the NFL uh, who, over a three-year stretch, has won an NFL Executive of the Year award and has seen his team go to the playoffs two out of three years, had a playoff game won in 2018 if the kicker hadn't double doinked who takes more grief and is more criticized than Ryan Pace's. Now, he blew the Mitch Trubisky situation, and I was live on sure. the air that night in, in 2017, and, and the second he did it, I was irate because I couldn't believe he made the trade from three to two. Um, I couldn't believe he left Deshaun Watson on the board. I'm not going to pretend I knew who Patrick Mahomes was. But that, that said, you get judged on your overall record. And when you look at what they've done the last three years, and the fact that he is so crucified here in Chicago, if Bears end up in a situation where Justin Fields becomes the answer to your seven-decade search for the quarterback of the future, and in fact you do have a pair of bookend tackles who can start for you for the next seven, eight, nine years, I'm not saying it's happened, but if it does happen, but the Bears are just hanging around 500 again, what do you do with Ryan Pace? It's a great question. I mean... Because I've thought about this a lot. And, you know, you and I have written things that have been critical about him, but, but I think fair. I think we've all been measured about our approach. Like, look, like you said, the Mitch thing can't be avoided. <laughs> no matter, yeah. You know, it's not just that Mitch wasn't the right guy. It's that the other two turned special. Watson obviously comes with an asterisk now, but Mahomes certainly. But, yeah, I mean, I think you look around. If you sit there and start calculating the batting average and the slugging percentage of other GMs in the league and, and look at some of the values they've gotten. I think Kindle, Kindle Vildor is going to play well this year. You know, I, you know, obviously Jalen Johnson stepped right in last year. Cole Komet was, was sort of forced in a little bit. And I think he's going to be very, you know, good at some point. Plus the other, you know, mid round successes, three cone, Eddie Jackson, whoever else, you know, I, I mean, his, First-round picks, in some respects, have really underwhelmed. His second through fifth rounders have, I think, been better than the league average. And, you know, they've they've done enough to stay competitive with less than great quarterbacking. If Fields hits, I think we absolutely have to reevaluate it. I'm not saying every movie he's made is perfect or his free agency decisions have made perfect, clear sense to me every time. 
But you start taking a bigger picture, and if Fields goes off this year, I think that gives him job security because of the hope, especially in a post-Aaron Rodgers world and possibly next year. You know, it would, it would be, I think, a little bit of a rash move if he lost his job. If Fields showed out and the team wasn't quite as successful as, as Bears fans would hope. It's going to be a fascinating question, Eric, and it's always fascinating yeah. being around uh, the Bears in Chicago. I really appreciate you taking time out for us tonight. Uh, I trust everybody is happy and healthy at home. Please give my best yeah. to Heidi and the kids, and uh, I'm sure I will see you in a press box somewhere in the very near future. Absolutely, Hub. Looking forward to it. See you soon, man. That is Eric Edholm. He is a must-read at yahoosports.com, a fun follow on Twitter as well. One of the multitude of Mizzou alums that have come out of the Pro Football Weekly Factory uh, and, and, and obviously a little better, uh, not better, but maybe more in-depth uh, look at Larry Borum because he followed him so closely at his alma mater as well as in his work in, in scouting the draft for YahooSports.com leading up to last season. I am terribly late for a break, so we're going to have this one and another one coming up fairly soon. But let's get this one in first. You've got the score. I'm Hub Arkish. We're back in just a moment. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. We saw the, you know, the weight he lost in OTAs, and you saw the personality that who he was. It's hard to tell in, in OTAs with really where you're at without pads. Once we got to training camp, we saw some good things. The individual drills, you saw he was laid on his feet. And he staying extra, putting in extra time, eliminating distractions. And then we got to that family fest. I think to me that kind of showed, hey, the stage wasn't too big for him. The first day of pads out there in front of everybody, that was a different setting for our players. And he did great. And then unfortunately had the, the, the concussion stuff. 
Bears head coach Matt Nagy talking about offensive tackle Larry Borum, the Bears' fifth-round pick from Missouri. And, and by the way, I think something that gets lost in the shuffle quite a bit is that, you know, in talking about Ryan Pace, and again, I, you know, there, there's good, there's bad. Uh, I, I'm not, uh, you know, exceptionally close to Ryan. I find him to be uh, a good guy to work with and, and a very good person. Uh, obviously, he needs to be evaluated on his accomplishments for the Chicago Bears. But in this particular draft day trade-a-rama, uh, in making the deal to move up and get Tevin Jenkins, he did have to give up the Bears' second rounder and their third rounder. Um, and I believe he gave up a six either this year or next year. But in addition to getting the pick to draft Jenkins, he got back the fifth round pick that they used to take Larry Borum. So uh, this is where, again, if you're going to evaluate all this stuff objectively and fairly, if, and it's a huge if right now, I don't know if either of these kids, Tevin Jenkins or Larry Borum, will ever start a game in the NFL. Uh, but right now they look like pretty good prospects who should have futures in the league and possibly become starters and could even become a pretty good pair of bookends for the Bears for a number of years. Uh, and so let's not forget that not only did he you know, maneuver to get Jenkins when a lot of people expected him to be gone, but he also got enough out of the trade to get Borum as well. So uh, that move is looking pretty good. Our phone number, guys, 312-644-6767. Again, my favorite thing about the chances I get to sit in and host. And by the way, I'll be back with you again next Wednesday night. We'll be with you from 6 to 10 next Wednesday night as the Bears uh, prepare for the final exhibition game in Tennessee against the Titans. We can wrap up what we see tomorrow. We'll get you updates on everything that's gone in and training training camp leading up to the game, or I should say to the broadcast next Wednesday night, and then leading up to the third and final exhibition game. Uh, But we've got a half hour left tonight, and my favorite thing is talking to you on the phones. Uh, I know you have comments, maybe questions, so give me a call, 312-644-6767. We're going to get back to the phones in just a moment, but I have been somewhat uh, reticent in in spending enough time on the Tech Zone, which is brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time, shop online at rosenhyundai.com. And a number of you have been texting. Um, Some of them, I have to be very honest with you, I struggle a little bit uh, to understand what you're really saying. I mean, there's a text here that says, Steve McNair was not very good until year three. He showed flashes but lacked consistency. That's true, but I'm not sure how it's relevant to anything that we're really talking about um, tonight. Uh, The next text that came in, however, said that Fields played better competition in college with the SEC and Big Ten, so he may arrive in year two instead of, oh, I see, that's the second part of the Steve McNair text, uh, instead of year three, but will struggle at some point early on. Yeah, I, I mean, that is almost certainly true because it's happened to every rookie who's ever played the game. Uh, so, you know, it's just one of the reasons that, that you at least give him a chance to adapt and, and get oriented to, to life in the NFL and have a chance to come in and compete at full capacity and be successful early on. Uh, one other one that I want to get to here, and I think it'll set up my final 20 minutes. Um, what's the story with Akeem Hicks? He's not practicing. Well, that's not accurate. Uh, he did miss a day of practice. I can't remember if it was Tuesday or Wednesday this week. But in fact, he has been at practice and working hard since training camp began. They are doing these veteran days off 
they're calling him load management. Nakeem is a guy who's had a few injuries the last couple of years. He is critical to the success of the Bears defense. He is one of the top three or four or five techniques in the NFL right now. But it's been a bit puzzling in that Akeem, who is one of the best players on the team when it comes to communicating with you as fans and with us in the media, has chosen not to speak to the media since the end of last season. We have not had the opportunity to visit with Akeem uh, since the uh, the end. We talked to him leading into, I think, the wild card game in New Orleans. Um, he just did not want to speak to the media during the off season. He did not participate in any of the uh, voluntary OTAs or, or the team workout program. He did show up and was a full participant in veteran mini camp. He has been at training camp every day. He is out there dominating on most days when he is participating. Um, but something is up with Akeem Hicks, and, and, and we know that because, as I said, he's been the media's best friend pretty much since he got here, and he's very good with the media, and he actually tells you things that you want to hear, but he's not talking right now. And so, you know, we can speculate. Uh, I actually think that I have a pretty good handle on what's going on, uh, but since Akeem is choosing not to let everybody know, I don't think it's up to me to speak for him. So we will watch that situation closely, and when we do have more information, we'll certainly get it to you right away, and we hope that that is sooner rather than later. I've got to get my final commercial break in before I wrap it up for the evening. Again, that phone number, 312-644-6767. You can give me a call. We'll talk on the air. You can also text at that number, a number of texts that we can still get to. we got plenty left for you right here at Chicago's very favorite all-sports radio station, and we're back in just a moment at the score. Anyone that comes across as strange? <laughs> sure. Yeah, he's, he's back. You know, so. This is the guy that we haven't been able to talk to obviously, so all we're getting is questions we ask you. Sure. Uh, has he been an issue, a problem, anything during training camp? No, he's been he's been fine, and uh, we want him to come out and play good football. So that's all, you know what I mean? Go sack the quarterback and stop the run. Here's head coach Matt Maggie answering questions about Akeem Hicks. Uh, that would have been actually the morning that he returned to practice uh, after leaving the practice field. I believe it was on Tuesday. And uh, you heard what he just said, and it, it's what we've seen. He has been very impressive in practice, uh, but he is not speaking right now. We hope that that will change because he's such a great kid and, and, and young man, I should say. He's not a kid, obviously. Um, and he's a, he's a special football player, and uh, he is in the final year of his contract, and, and uh, we'll see you know, how that all plays out. But that was Matt talking about Akeem Hicks. Again, 312-644-6767 is our phone number. If you want to get a question in before we wrap it up for the evening, that is also the number by which you access the text zone brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time shop online at rosenhyundai.com. Um, and a few more texts that I have not gotten to. Uh, one of them here... Uh, and this is from the uh, the 574 area code. It's uh, Hub, when Matt, Matt Nagy told the reporters to ask the team doctors about Jenkins' injury, in parentheses, knowing that the doctors are off limits to the media, close parentheses, then is it against the ethics of a journalist to be able to ask for permission to question the team doctors about Jenkins' injury? Well, first of all, again, to be clear, 
you, you know, it's interesting. I know that a lot of you, uh, if you have the Bears app or if you're at ChicagoBears.com, know that you can watch in real time as they stream these press conferences that we have uh, every day with Matt Nagy, with the coaches, with the players. And so you hear some of this. And so you're right. That is what Matt said. He said you'd have to ask the team doctors. But to put it in context, he wasn't being a wise guy telling us to ask the team doctors, knowing they weren't going to talk. The point he was trying to make is that he just didn't know. He doesn't know enough about the procedure, about the situation, uh, about Jenkins' specific injury, and that we'd have to be able to ask the team doctors to get that information. Yeah, he knew full well that that they weren't going to tell us because they can't. And so, no, there's nothing that's an ethical violation about asking if we can have permission to talk to the team doctors but they can't tell us about Tevin Jenkins' injury because of the HIPAA laws, you know, and and even though they're professional athletes and even though because of the um, impact that injuries have on the National Football League and particularly uh, because of the impact it has on the gambling aspect of it, now that that's legal, the NFL is is actually doing things to encourage uh, people to wager and to give them information. This was a situation where they're not going to tell us the specifics uh, it's the same as any of the 32 teams in the NFL. And so it wasn't, you know, Matt giving the media a hard time, at least with that particular answer. Um, it was just, you know, him telling us that he really didn't know a lot more about Tevin Jenkins' back surgery than we did. Now, let's be honest. He knows, you know, what the procedure was. He knows why it was necessary. But he's not the guy who's in a position to explain uh, you know, what that means in terms of rehab, in terms of when he's going to be back, in terms of what impact it's likely to have on his career going forward. So um, in, in that case, there was really, um, you know, nothing uh, to give him a hard time about that. Now, um, uh, another text here, one example of Pace's incompetence is the Bears' O-line has been lacking for years, and rather than addressing it with multiple high draft picks every year, um, they fire the O-line coach. That's the answer. Multiple question marks. Come on. Um, Ryan Pace has not invested enough draft capital in the offensive line. I, I feel strongly about that. I've written about it. I've reported it. It's one of the things that is fair to criticize about Ryan. It's not an indictment. It doesn't mean that he's a failure as a general manager, but as you put the balance sheet together, you look at the pros and the cons, the pluses and the minus, the assets and the liabilities. And and, and I believe, you know, I, I, I was raised by Jim Finks. Uh, and, and even if you were not around when Jim was one of the great GMs, he's a Hall of Fame general manager, uh, you've probably heard that his mantra was you build the offensive and defensive lines first and then you build around them. So, yeah, I'm always going to say you can't use enough high picks on, on, on big uglies. But um, you're right. Ryan has not invested enough capital in the offensive line. That doesn't make him incompetent. That means that he's made strategic decisions as to where he was going to invest those picks. And I will tell you this, when he drafted Kevin White, Everybody and their brother felt that wide receiver was the greatest need or one of the two or three greatest needs the team had. When he came back the next year, um, and I'm trying to remember, uh, drafted Leonard Floyd, everybody believed that the Bears desperately needed a pass rusher. Leonard Floyd, I thought incorrectly, was ranked in the top 10 in the NFL draft because of his potential as a pass rusher. I thought he was a great athlete and could have a good NFL career, but having never been a pass rush specialist at Georgia, 
I didn't really feel that he was necessarily the best answer for the Bears at that spot, but nobody questioned the need or the desire to get a great pass rusher. In 2017, everybody wanted a quarterback. It's just most of us wanted Deshaun Watson more than Mitch Trubisky. Anybody who claims that they knew Patrick Mahomes was going to be Patrick Mahomes or that they wanted him more than Trubisky, those folks are probably just lying because there were very few NFL teams, let alone outside analysts, who had Mahomes ranked ahead of Watson and Trubisky. But the point is, you know, he's not incompetent for not drafting an offensive lineman. Everybody wanted a quarterback. And then you come back to that last first-round pick until this year, which was Roquan Smith, you know, prior to the Khalil Mack trade. Everybody was looking at inside linebacker. Everybody thought Roquan Smith had a chance to be a special player. Roquan Smith has become a special player. So these aren't signs of him being incompetent. These are signs of him making decisions that haven't worked out. They are signs, you know, decisions that he deserves to take responsibility for and some criticism. But to go to incompetence, that, that's just going a little bit too far. So um, let me see a couple more things that you guys have been waiting for um, on, the, on the text line. Um, here's somebody who says that he anticipates seeing Mitch tomorrow having much better footwork and probably only about 10 different plays to run. For some reason, the Bears never saw fit to do those things. I look for Mitch to become... Uh, the, the screen just jumped on me. I look for Mitch to look much better after being around an actual coaching staff. Again, guys, you know, I know there's frustration out there. I, I know that it is fair to be critical uh, of Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy, but to say that the Buffalo Bills are an actual coaching staff and the Bears are not, you know, that, that's really, again, kind of silly. Um, uh, you know, Brian Dable, the offensive coordinator, in Buffalo is the flavor of the year right now because of what he did last year with Josh Allen. He is a very good football coach. Uh, he was a head coaching candidate this offseason because of what he accomplished with Josh Allen. He didn't get a head coaching job. Uh, I'm sure um, that there's every chance that he'll do a nice job of improving Mitch, but you're wrong. He's not going to come out tomorrow in an exhibition game with just 10 plays. He's a five-year, four-year veteran at this point. If he can't run the whole playbook, he can't play in the NFL. Uh, will he have much better footwork? We'll see. You know, that certainly is a possibility. But if he does, it's not because Matt Nagy and the Bears coaching staff were incompetent. Um, uh, I did not agree with some of the things that they did with Mitch. And, and, and I think criticizing their, their inability to develop him is fair. It's also quite possible that Mitch was terribly overrated. You know, I said it the night they drafted him. I don't understand how you give up an extra three and a four when you're sitting at number three overall to go up and take a guy who has less starting experience at the major college level than any quarterback ever taken in the history of the first round. That, by the way, remains true to this day. It was just a leap that, that I thought it was certainly unnecessary to pay the extra price for, and I thought it was a poor decision with Deshaun Watson on the board. Now, that said... You know, yeah, Deshaun Watson gave you a pretty good first few years, but you look at where he's at now. Does anybody want that aggravation? You know, is he ever going to play in the league again? Do we know what kind of quarterback he's eventually going to be? It is still quite possible that Mitch Trubisky ends up with a better NFL career than, than, than Deshaun Watson. And, and so, you know, guys, this stuff is all real. And you analyze and you evaluate and you grade based on the total package not the, the, the flash points and, and, the, and the exciting moments and the disappointing moments um, that, that fans get carried away with. 
That's how the people in the business do it. And that's why this is such a pivotal year for both Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy. Uh, a lot of the decisions that are eventually made on their evaluation are going to be based on what happens this year because now we've seen the highs. You know, guys, in all fairness, we haven't seen any real lows. They're coming off a playoff year. I know they were a 500 team that, that had a six-game losing streak and they weren't a legitimate threat in the playoffs, but that was still better than 20 other teams in the league. So when we talk about the highs and the lows, the highs have been exceptional in a year in which they were respectively the coach and executive of the year. The lows aren't there over the last three years. There's just the disappointment of the Mitch move and some of the other draft picks he's missed on. You can't focus on those without giving him credit for the draft picks he's hit on. Um, Eric Edholm was making the point about a half an hour ago. It's a point that I've made repeatedly is that general managers and head coaches in the National Football League do not bat a 1,000 any more than anybody at any position in any professional sport does. And so you look at what are reasonable success rates, and right now, Pace and Nagy, based on their three years together, are both within the range of what you would call successful. Um, this year is going to be pivotal. We'll see what happens. Can they bounce back and get this team to win 10 or 11 games, to be a threat to win a playoff game? If they can, they're going to get contract extensions. So we will see what happens. Right now, however... I'm out of time, guys, and I want to start instead of finishing by thanking studs. Adam Staczynski has been behind the glass tonight. He is absolutely one of the best producers in sports talk radio. A pleasure to work with. And, Adam, thank you so much for the great job you did putting this show together tonight. I want to thank my guests. Uh, Patrick Finley, the Bears beat reporter for Chicago Sun-Times, was here. Adam Hogue, the Bears beat reporter for NBC Sports Chicago, was here. And then Eric Edholm, as I just mentioned, from YahooSports.com. Thank you guys so much for taking time out for your Friday evenings. We are going to be joining CBS Sports Network for the 9 o'clock hour and into the evening. They're going to take you, I guess, through the night. I don't know if Grobber works on Friday nights or not, but you'll get either the Grobber or CBS Sports Network for the rest of the evening. And then tomorrow it's back to our great lineup. Guys, I start my regular hits during the football season next week with Parkins and Spiegel, with uh, Bernstein and, and Rahimi. I will be visiting on occasion with Molly and Haw. Don't have regular schedules set, set there. I'll also be back to host for you next Wednesday night, so we'll get some more Bears and NFL talk in then. In the meantime, most of all tonight, I want to thank all of you for calling, for listening, for stopping by. I look forward to talking to you all again next week. Right now, enjoy the game tomorrow. Hopefully, we'll see great things from both Andy Dalton and Justin Fields and the rest of the Bears. Have a great rest of your Friday evening. Thank you so much for tuning in to Chicago's very favorite all-sports radio station, 670 The Score. Please, can I finish? Okay, I'm finished. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put 
put the spring back into your step and into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 